Guess who? And guess what? Footy Prime is launching a gin, and we're having a party to celebrate. Thursday, June 6th, join the whole FB crew for Footy Prime's one-night stand at Nickel Nine Distillery in Toronto. Come celebrate Footy Prime's one-ball gin with Nickel Nine Distillery mixologists on hand, Charmin's proper pies, meet-and-greet and photo ops with your favorite primers, and a live Atska's Almost Anything podcast. Footy Prime's one-night stand, June 6th at 7 p.m. till when we kick you out. Tickets at eventbrite.ca. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Footy Prime, the podcast with Danny Dicchio, virtual Craig Forrest, and James Sharman. Today, we welcome the champions of the world, Liverpool. I'm Jeff Cole, and for Dan Wong, let's get this party started. Indeed, 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 it's a special edition of Food Prime, maybe the one I've been looking forward to the most. Out of the last, uh, what, 37 or so we've been doing, for some reason, I don't know why, it's been a special week, my friends. Um, everything has become balanced once again in the universe. The good guys are on top. Liverpool champions of England and Europe as we speak. Doesn't matter they crashed out to Atletico Madrid. Doesn't matter as we speak right now. Liverpool double champions. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Deech? Is that not the case? Well, no, you're champions right. Of England and Europe? The Raptors are still the NBA champions as well. So why Liverpool will not the champions still as well? So Exactly. What a season it's been. The strangest season, obviously, of all time. Um, and it's not over yet. Seven games left. The records could still tumble. Craig, um, you know, there's so many ways we can talk about this particular team, a fun team to watch. But what's the most impressive aspect, do you think, of this current Liverpool and what they've done in this this insanely crazy, truncated season? You know, it's hard to pinpoint, Charles, when you just can't talk about one thing when you talk about it. You could go and talk about, start with the ownership when they took over from Gillette and Hicks. Um, when John Henry and the Fenway Sports Group took over, and they took some time to get themselves uh, in a position where they were accepted by the Liverpool fans. It wasn't easy for them either. A lot of financial difficulties as well. Um, remember Suarez thing when he left the club? And, you know, I think the most impressive thing, if I was going to pinpoint or try to, I'd say would be the two signings of the goalkeeper and the centre-back, Van Dijk and Allison. I think they were just the pieces that they were missing that took them over the edge. Because remember, Man City got, I believe, 100 points and 98 points in two seasons. So 
when you're looking at that, and that's the guideline, and that's your yardstick of what you need to face to be successful, Liverpool had to make some big moves. Because um, the rest of the team, really, quite clearly, were not, I mean, they're not coming for big money. The club is put together very well, and uh, other than outside of the goalkeeper and Van Dyke, um, everything was pretty financially tight. They didn't buy this team, and uh, that's impressive in itself. And Klopp, the manager, was the perfect fit. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Craig, with the two signings, but I think we have to go back uh, a little bit further, and the biggest move for me was bringing Jurgen Klopp in. They've been searching for a manager like him for a long, long time. They they bought Benitez in and he done reasonably well. He did reasonably well. He won the Champions League, but he just couldn't get that Premier League title. And they bought Brendan Rodgers in who played a lovely brand of football and they really thought it was going to work out. They, they invested a lot of money with him in charge, but there was still something missing and it could be two or three signings, which you're alluding to there. Craig Van Dyke has been a, a massive signing for them. Goalkeeper as well, which has been a massive, massive problem for them over the last 10, 15 years. But I really feel with the staff that Jurgen Klopp has assembled and, and him himself, the passion that he shows on the sidelines, in training, it, it resonates with the with the fans as well. And the Scouts, as we know, are a working-class club, although half of them come from London now as well, the Cockney Reds, but no pun intended. <laughs> but... Uh, I just feel that there's there's just such a good feeling within the club for the last two to three years now. They know they've been building up to this. Jurgen Klopp has stated when he first came in that his target was to win the title, to win the Premier League title. And he's he and pre- they laughed. And they oh, laughed. Yeah, They laughed. But he's presented that to them now. He's, he's shoved that in their faces as well as the Champions League trophy. So the big, the big question now, and it's always the case when there's a successful team is what do they do next? What can they go on to achieve? Can they be the next dynasty of, of teams like Liverpool back in the eighties that I hated uh, United in the nineties that I hated. Can <laughs> Liverpool be the next, the next club to do that? Yeah, that's a, a big question. You know, what can they do to, to improve this current team? Right. But you know, in the moment let's enjoy what they've done uh, a young team uh, we're not hearing rumours of players leaving that's going to happen at some point always does as you get successful obviously but I think you, you both kind of mentioned it there that the feeling around this club when, when Suarez left the narrative was ah you know Liverpool's no longer a big club they can't keep their stars and then when Philippe Coutinho left ah they, they can't keep their stars what next but when both those players left they reinvested so so well and that's, I think, the mark of what a great club is. And, and Alex Ferguson did that at United. He'd always see players leave, right? They'd bring new players in. But this current team, I don't know who's going to leave. And does anyone need to leave? Do you need to keep it fresh and bring some new faces in? Or is it just purely a case of, let's get some depth in? Because I, I look at this team right now, guys, and I don't really see any holes. You can always improve. You know, is Genie Wijnaldum the best midfielder in the world? No, so you could improve there but he's a wonderful fit on this team and a really good player so so what do you do do you just stand pat and bring some youth through do you maybe um you know address some depth on the left hand side of the field perhaps I, I don't see too many impact players coming in and changing this this squad at the moment no you're right i think you know when you look at the great teams you always talk about recruiting and how they do that i mean look at the two fullbacks 
um, and how they've done so brilliantly well. Uh, one was homegrown. I think the other one was eight million. Um, by Alexander and uh, and uh, Robeson. Uh, yeah, and I've, been, I've been absolutely fantastic. So that will come down to the manager, and I think this is where Klopp is really quite a genius and uh, brilliant at what he does. Is that yeah, they may bring another player in or two, um, but they may not. But what he'll do is he'll discuss it with the team and talk about the loyalty that he has to them if they continue doing what they're doing. There's going to be no changes. These players are going to be around as long as they, they want to be. So that's going to be the manager's job because bringing in people, uh, they have to fit not only your systems, but they also have to fit in the dressing room and they can't disrupt what they have because that chemistry doesn't come around very often. And Danny, I mean, you've, we've all had it. We've had teams where we we felt we had that chemistry and it was a, it was something special and uh, you keep that, but the manager will you know, have to massage that very carefully because he doesn't want to lose it. But there has to be a contingency plan when you're in the, the top five or six of the Premier League. I think in, in any team actually in the Premier League and speaking about Coutinho, Suarez, there was a contingency plan in action already put in place and and they did ever so well. We we, we kind of were worried about Firmino coming in and getting the goals that Suarez provided. Uh, they bought Salah for reasonably cheap, who did not have a good first couple of seasons at Chelsea. And everyone said, this guy is Premier League tested. He's not going to work out. They bought Mane in from Southampton, who did pretty well at a lower league club. But could he really do it at a high level club? And I just felt like there was a lot of risky signings that they brought in and everyone was kind of looking at. But Jurgen Klopp had done his homework and I'm sure he's doing his homework now as well. There's a fantastic bunch of youth players coming through. We've already seen them in the cup. We've seen a couple of them make their debuts in the Premier League this year. Even last week we saw, I think it was Williams that come on. Very, very good right back. But you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold who's probably in the top two or three best right backs in the in the world at the moment. So you have to have that hunger. You have to have that... Um, that competition in the squad as well. You can't have players being comfortable. And there's rumors about Koulibaly coming in from Napoli this morning, who I think would be a fantastic signing. When you're at the top, Craig, you know this, and, and Sir Alex has said it many, many a times, you can't get comfortable. You have to bring in players that are, first of all, going to bring something to your team, to your squad, that's going to push you on and keep you at that level. Uh, I agree with you as well. They can't bring in players that are going to upset that change room, that locker room, and then that vibe that they have within that team spirit, which is fantastic as well. They they have shown how hungry they've been this year to win the title. That's been the biggest difference between Man City and Liverpool this year, the hunger in every game to, to go out and prove that they can win the title. But I just feel you, you, you need to bring in two or three players, and I'm sure Klopp's looking at Sancho at Dortmund, Koulibaly at Napoli, and... Lalana's going to leave. There's going to be one or two other guys, vets, that are going to leave. Maybe Lovren's going to leave as well. So you're going to have to bring in to supplement that squad. Well, I mean, how do you replace Dejan Lovren, right? You, you go out <laughs> and sign David Luiz or someone, right? That's how you replace him. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you're right. No matter how good a team is, there's no perfect team, right? Even the great Barcelona teams weren't perfect. Pretty damn close, mind you. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you go bring that, that, that um, freshness in, like Fergie would always say. And maybe from an ideal perspective, you bring in the freshness from the academy, right? The Neko Williams, like you mentioned, there some of these young players to push the incumbents of a perfect world. But if they're not quite ready, how do you convince? 
a, a top player playing at Napoli, Koulibaly, for example, to come in and compete with Joe Gomez. Now, right now, Koulibaly's a better player than Joe Gomez, obviously, but Joe Gomez is only going to get better. He's a fantastic talent. Does a veteran want to have that pressure? And if he doesn't, maybe he's not the right fit for this club. So it's almost like you're, you're assessing the player from a mental standpoint of your club as much as the actual you know, finished physical product on the field. Absolutely. I, I think I mean, when you look at Liverpool too and the players, there's a, a number of them, about 75% are in the prime of their careers right now. Amazing, really. When you look at a guy like Salah, I don't think that anybody really could have predicted how good he has been. Like when he came to Liverpool, he thought, you know, he did well in Italy, but who did, I mean, he, who did he think he was going to get a year? I mean, I didn't see him being the finisher that he is and to be able to find the net as consistently as he has because he hasn't done it anywhere else at that level. I mean, Roma was pretty good, but, you know, what he's done with Liverpool was a different level. Is he a guy... So Salah is an interesting uh, name to throw in there because he's a wonderful player. Of course he is, and he's beloved there. But is he more of a luxury player than the complete package? We know what he does. does it really, really well. But is that a position that potentially... And it sounds crazy because he's, he's a 30-goal scorer, for Christ's sakes. But is that an area up front where you could potentially upgrade if you're going to spend the money? Not at the moment. Because what I like about Salah is that he's bought into Klopp's team ethic of we want to work and we want to counter-attack at the speed and the effectiveness that they do Liverpool but he also defends for the team as well even Mane even Firmino for me he works the hardest out of all the forwards in dropping back in who's most irreplaceable at those front three if you had to I honestly one. feel Mane is at this moment in time because Salah okay pulls 30 goals a season unbelievable pair but I think Mane's a little bit younger and I think he could maybe push on to go to like a Real Madrid or Barcelona if enticed to one of those teams. But I see no reason for him to move on. But you're right. I still think they need a little bit of backup there. You, you look at the backup for Firmino, who's Vic Origi, who hey, we're all still big goals, like... Big goals, yeah, We're like, he's not a Liverpool player, but he's banged in goals in the Champions League. He's won that, that game against Barcelona, which really pushed them on to win the Champions League, in my opinion. He comes on, he does a job, uh, he's reliable, Klopp trusts him, and that's what Klopp is going to be looking for. He's looking at Sancho at the moment, probably, and saying, is he a kid that I can rely on to come back into this group of winners and have the same mindset as the players that I have already? It's a really tough, tough ask for any manager to, to upset that, that mindset, that team spirit that you already have of champions. Yeah, I know. That's why they get paid a lot of money nowadays, top managers. And so far, there's been very few misses for Klopp and his staff, be it, you know, Michael Edwards down from the recruitment side of things. What, you know, three players maybe? Karius didn't work out. Um, Naby Keita's still a work in progress. There aren't many misses so far, right? A lot of hits. At some point, you know, there's going to be some more misses. And then we'll see, you know, how good Klopp really is. But at this point, I mean, where do you put Klopp? You think about the great managers in that club and they're revered, right? The stands named after the Shankleys and Paisleys, King Kenny, of course. Is Klopp already there? Or has he got to go a little bit longer at the club to, to, to join that Mount Rushmore of Liverpool managers? He's already there. Yeah? You reckon? Yeah, he's already there. I mean, Stephen George said they should just throw up a statue right now. I mean, it's, it's cool what he came out and said about Stephen Gerrard as well. Did you hear what he said? 
about Gerard this this week in, when he was mentioning how Stevie has ran his legs out for this club for the past 20 years or so and he there's no one that tried harder to try and win this Premier League for his club and this win is not only for us as a team and as a fans but Steven Gerrard has as much to do with it as the players and I thought that was really classy from Klopp, Greg. So, so, it's important for clubs and especially you see it at Liverpool is that how they treat their old players and uh, they keep them around, they respect them, the fans love them being around, they are part of the fabric of the of the city itself and as a as the club, it's uh, it's wonderful to see. And uh, they're the, they're as good as any club I've seen at doing that and remembering the past players and the past efforts um, that Liverpool had. I mean, the club's gone through everything; it's gone through ups and downs and tragedies and whatnot, and great successes. And this is uh, certainly up there with one of the best seasons I've ever seen. So many iconic players over the years, right? From the you know the Emlyn Hughes's to the Kevin Keegan's, Kenny Dalglish's, um, Ian Rush's, through to Steven Gerrard in the modern era. Where does Jordan Henderson rate? Where is he going to rate when we look back on, on this Liverpool team? Because he's one of those players you seem to love him or you hate him. And I, I love him now. I have my doubts. I know you have to each over the years, right? But how are we going to look back on, on Jordan Henderson in, in years to come? I think there's only one way to look back on him, and that's as a champion. He's provided a Champions League title and a Premier League title within two or three years of, of being a captain of Liverpool Football Club, which is a difficult task. Now, I go back to my criticism of him in just maybe comparing him to Steven Gerrard so much when that was unfair on the kid himself. He's a totally different player. And I, th- I feel at the beginning of his career at Liverpool, he was trying to emulate Steven Gerrard too much with like these long, crazy passes and just trying to be Stevie G instead of being himself. He's a, he's a fantastic young player. Actually, he's getting a little bit older now. Um, he's worked his way in, into the England team. He's apparently uh, a real leader within the change room, the locker room, on the field. And you can see the players really, really respect him, which is tough because he's surrounded by players that I feel are so much more talented than him. And... I feel that he would respect that and he would also understand that. But he knows that he's a vital piece to that puzzle, that that cog that works so well and efficiently that you have to give him a lot of respect, a lot of respect. Is he better than Stevie Gerrard? Is he better than Jan Mulby? Is he better than a Steve McMahon, a Peter Beardsley? No, no way. But put your medals on the tables, lads. And he's got two Champions League, sorry, one Champions League trophy, one Premier League trophy, and there's going to be more. And he does it so quietly, doesn't he? You know, he's that, that consummate professional, it seems. Um, I've heard some, written some great pieces this past week or so about journalists going to the ground, watching this team play without the fans, right? And they can actually really hear what's being said in the field. And they've all said, listen, man, we had no idea just how Jordan Henderson dictates play with his voice. He really is the general out there, which you don't maybe appreciate as much with the, the crowd in the, in the stadium. You can't hear him yelling, but he is constantly dictating where that ball goes, who should be in what space. And I think that is a great credit to him. And maybe we're learning a bit more about Jordan Henderson, you know, without the fans. Yeah, maybe. The, I mean, the greatest thing about this Liverpool side, because we, we've gone through just about the whole thing, the ownership, the coaching, the recruitment, the, uh, the players from back to front. 
And you can't really pinpoint one reason why it's been a success because everybody's played their role in, in a fantastic way. And they push each other so they have a respect for each other that they, they, they throw up and if they let each other down and they let each other know it. So they, 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 they continually push each other to do better and continue that same level. Uh, this pandemic, you, you, I, have, I was wondering how some teams are going to fare, even Liverpool, they're in the league's done how are they going to be playing? What kind of standard of play are they going to be at? They were, they've been brilliant. They haven't missed the feet. And remember, that's another thing. It wasn't that long ago, there was a chance that this league could have been well and void. This season, with one loss going into the pandemic, it could have been done. And again, another disappointment for Liverpool. So this is will be never forgotten, this league, this season, because of the pandemic and the Liverpool situation. The chance that they could have lost it, and then they go on to uh, win it shortly after they, they start up again. It's, it's really something. I can I can imagine how amazing it has to be for the Liverpool locals and, and for the city itself. Well, it's like the whole you know debate about the asterisk on the season, right? I mean, of course there will be one in the season because it was this crazy season truncated, right? And it's nothing like we've seen before. But that doesn't mean that there's less value to the championship. Some people are trying to make the argument, which is. I'm, in, I'm, I'm a fan of the team, so... They're Man United and Man City fans. They are, right? That's true. You know what? One, one person in particular had a good debate with recently. Yeah. A United fan. Exactly. So that Man United, that. Man City, <laughs> Arsenal, Chelsea fans are all debating that. In many ways, it's more memorable, right? Like you said there, Craig. In many ways. You know, we won't ever forget this season. You know, you'll see a Man U title and a Man City, and they'll come and it'll go, and we'll forget about it. We'll never forget about this season, right? <laughs> never. The Liverpool never. COVID season. Yep, yep. Yeah. But typical, typical English fans, right? I mean, outside of Liverpool, Liverpool fans, everybody's like, yeah, we'll make excuses. We'll, you know, asterisk inside it. <laughs> I know, and they all complain about all the fans gathering outside Anfield. Oh, it's terrible. What these, every single sports club in the world in the same situation would have done the same thing. They would have celebrated en masse after their first championship in 30 years. So I want to ask you a question as a Liverpool fan, Shams. How does this team presently rate or compare to the great team of the 80s with Dalglish and Rush and Barnes and all those guys? Uh, and I'll throw in the Champions League team of Benitez as well. How does this team rate? Well, to start with, Rafa's 2005 team. <laughs> They're a great team of characters. They were nowhere close to the quality of this team from a talent standpoint. Not even close. It's not even the same conversation. A great moment, obviously, and a big drought for that team. Great, great. I remember it well. Um, but let's not compare this team to that because they're just on a different planet. The great 80s teams, they're the teams that I have such nostalgia for, right? Yeah. Um, and it's funny, when, when they won on this past week, you know, I didn't know how I'd react because I've been in this game now for 20 years. You know, I'm jaded somewhat. I, my highs aren't as high as a lot of fans and my lows aren't as low as a lot of fans because I've been so close to the game. Um, but I lost it. I did, and it's because I was thrown back to 1990 when I was moving to this country and, and all those, those childhood memories. These were my heroes. These were my comic book heroes. My Supermans, my Spidermans were Steve McMahon and Ronnie Whelan and Bruce Grobbler. They really were, right? So I've got such a fond memory of that team in, in the mid to late 80s in particular. So it's hard to compare it. From a talent standpoint, they're up there, right? But and a different type of game back in those days. We know that a lot more physical. It was far more violent. Um, but if you put them man-to-man against those great teams, it's damn close. It has to be right now. 
probably better centre-backs now with respect to Alan Hansen. Yeah. I think Virgil van Dijk's better than Alan Hansen was, and he's a legend, right? Um, Bruce Grobelaar, no one's better than Brucey in my books. <laughs> <laughs> Not even the great Allison. Can't, can't compare. Um, midfield, Jordan Henderson or Jan Mulby, like you mentioned before. I, I can't say it it's because I'm, it I'm just tough. so close to that particular team, right? Um, there's more pace in this team, say that much. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but the game, as you said, has changed a lot. Yeah. And like, uh, I'll even try and speak to Craig about it, but the, the reason I hated Liverpool so much in the 80s, because they were so fucking good. And it was like a love-hate. Like, there was teams that I watched that were good, but they were boring to watch or they were just like thugs. But Liverpool were a classy team. Like, Grobla was a character in goal. Hansen was the first of like your central defenders that played with such elegance and dribbled the ball out the back comfortably. Gillespie next to him as well. Then they had like a couple of fullbacks in. Uh, you, you can't even remember. They had Stevie Nickel. Stevie Nickel, the the guy that does um, the TV now with with uh, the Premier League. Oh, Jim Beglin. Jim Beglin yeah, was yeah. pretty good back in the days. But like a wealth of talent in midfield, Peter Beardsley's, the John Ian Rutches, John, John, John Barnes was like I remember playing against John Barnes for QPR when I was younger, and I go, I'm fucking playing against John Barnes at the moment. Like, was he still good? He was. He was just like a legend. He was like. He was a little bit tubbier at the time, but <laughs> you couldn't get the ball off him. But these are guys, as you said, you idolize as a youngster. You hated them because they were so good, but it was a love-hate relationship. The, the 90s Man United are a very similar team. They were just so good, uh, Craig, that you just, you had so much respect for them, but you hated them as players. But now I'm from, on the coaching side of things. I have a lot of respect for the coaches that worked with those players in building those teams and them characters together to be so, so successful. Do you think, Craig, you need to see this team do it again? It seems, I mean, quite frankly, this team, this team should be celebrating a second championship, right? Really. 97 points last year. But they didn't get the second championship because, you know, City was so good last year. But a European Cup, a Premier League title in successive seasons. Do you want to see it again before you start making those comparisons to those those dynasty teams? Well, I think we will see it again. I don't think there's any worry about that, except the standard of play has got to be incredibly high and can stay there because Man City is not going to rest. They're going to come guns ablaze and they're going to make some changes. They're going to be a different team. Maybe no Europe to worry about. Yeah, exactly. If that that could, I mean, that's going to work in their favor in the league. You know? Anyway, the pressures of playing in Europe and the league, and to do both of them equally as well, is a, it's, it's really difficult. It's, it can be done, especially with large squads, but it's uh, it's difficult. Well, you look at next year, and you know this team won't get worse. Obviously, they'll probably get better, um, but. With City, you know, maybe without European money, they don't spend as much, or maybe they spend more to get back. Who knows? Um, you mentioned Chelsea before; they're going to be much better next year. We're seeing some real good signs there. United's beginning to look a bit more like United now as well. You know, if Pogba stays, him and Fernandez are working really well together. Is Solskjaer the right man? We're, we're going to find out. Um, you know, Spurs will they improve? Don't forget, Leicester. It's going to be a really good season next year, and I don't think if Liverpool do defend their crown next year, it's not going to be by twenty-five points. Right, it's going to be a much tighter race, and there won't be this big gap in the middle. Let's hope. I agree. I, I don't. I don't think we'll see teams get a hundred points again in the near future. I feel that teams are understanding now that they have to spend money if they want to compete at the top. Chelsea are doing that. They bought in Timo Werner. 
they brought in the boy from uh, Ajax, Ajax, who's a very, very good player. Um, United are spending money now, so they Sancho know, could be going there. right? Sancho could be rumor. going there. Uh, I still think that Arsenal will make three or four big signings in in the summer. I don't think they're ready to compete yet, but eleven, Ar- don't they? Arteta is is doing a, a a rebuild there, but and there's always a team that will will creep in, either it be a Leicester or Wolves who are punching above their weight this year. Can they invest in that team? They've got some big money behind them and a big agent that we know is connected with them. So, I just don't feel that. Man City and and Liverpool will be able to take as many points off other teams to collect those 100 points again. Yeah, we shouldn't forget that these 100-point seasons aren't commonplace, right? We've just begun to see them for the first time ever, right? And now we're seeing in, you know, we might see two or three 100-point seasons in four or five years. That's unbelievable. So is that a statement on how good these teams are or how the other guys have kind of fallen off? And I've been calling these. Well, I think we absolutely actually are. Um, all these other clubs too. If you look at them, they're all full of internationals, and they're all spending money. And there's a lot more clubs in the fray now than there used to be. Chelsea, going back years ago, wasn't really in the picture. Man City wasn't in the picture. Newcastle now. What happens with their new ownership? Are they going to be spending billions of dollars too? I mean, it's the the the, the line is so fine for success. Um, and Danny's right, you have to be able to spend. You have to spend money um, as Liverpool approved. And I think Paul told that to John Henry in the group that when they made the decision to go for Allison and Van Dyke, that that was the point when they needed to really splash out. Really needed to go for it and get what they wanted. And uh, thank goodness for them, it was a great decision. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you mentioned there, Craig, from the top, how the ownership has almost been forgotten amongst this, this most recent you know, um, um, trophy surge. But that's been a huge story. They know how to build successful championships. We saw it in Boston with the Red Sox. Very similar model coming to Liverpool. And didn't, uh, when Henry took over there, didn't, uh, wasn't Kenny Dalglish the manager? He, he signed um, Dalglish. It was Hodgson. And Hodgson, they let go. And the safe hand brought back King Kenny um, on the short term. And everyone knew it wasn't necessarily the right footballing choice, but this appeased the fans after this awful, tumultuous few years with those other American owners when Americans are bad. Remember, they were bad Americans then, now they're good Americans. <laughs> it's amazing how fans are so fickle. Ah, oh, goddamn Yanks, get them out. Get those fucking Yanks out. Oh, John Henry, come on here, boy, John. We love you. We love the Red Sox. Amazing, isn't it? But uh, yeah. he's done a great job, you know, and Tom Werner behind him, obviously, and then they, they brought this staff in who have just done a, a wonderful job, and they targeted Jurgen Klopp after Brendan Rodgers, who did a really good job too, right? I mean, I think Rodgers brought in Firmino, for example, right? So I'm sure Rodgers would be more than happy to take some credit for this. <laughs> hey, don't forget me. Did a pretty good job too, but you know, they, they've targeted managers, and they've been the right managers, right? I think, and, and so I think you give them a lot of credit right now. Ooh, dead air. Does that mean we come to the end Silent. of the Liverpool talk? <laughs> you know what I find funny here? We're sitting here uh, doing this in a socially distanced uh, Dan Wong's house. And just above our producer Dan Wong, there's a whiteboard. <laughs> Have you seen this? <laughs> and it looks like it's Dan's, to-do, it's, it's Dan's to-do list. Can I, can I read this? Workout. Run eight minutes. Eight that, minutes, Dan. Jeez. That could be a problem, Dan. So uh, if you if you were here, people in the in the, in the podcast world, workout says run, 
Run just means run. They're two separate things. Eight minutes is an eight-minute workout. That's scientific workout. See, to me, to me, that would be all of that in eight minutes. <laughs> run, <laughs> right? Application, garden box, patio, read a book, and news in eight minutes. He's, he's, got, he's got, he's got, read, and beside it, book. <laughs> <laughs> What's the book, Dan? I would have been more impressed with Braille. <laughs> if you go to my washroom, you'll see what book. It's one of the classics, Wuthering Heights. Oh. Heathcliff. And I'm, so they gave it to me in grade 11 to read. I did the Coles notes and cheated. And then I've never read the actual book, so I'm actually reading it. I found it. Hold on. I just went in there, Dan, and there's a penthouse in there. <laughs> yeah. Old school. Old school classics. Sorry. Old school. I wonder how I wonder how old school pornos will do in, in this post COVID world of ours. Ask Craig. Craig. <laughs> Conspicuous. No, I'm not having any part of that. No, no. No, I'm, I'm impressed by Dan's uh, to do list. That's all. Workout, write, Reno, and read. Have you got to any of those things? Uh, garden box, patio, but the running running application. I'm, yeah. Good lad. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's Old funny. School portos, yes. <laughs> All right, listen, guys. We've got about what Craig's got to leave in about ten minutes. Is that right, Craig? So no, I'm gonna go now. Now, have you? Okay. Well, fuck off then. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, mate. Nice to see you guys as always. And we'll do this again sometime. Maybe next week. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do another deep dive on uh, on Liverpool. No. FA Cup weekend, by the way, this weekend. Yeah. But the game is going on as we tape. Well, Arsenal went through this morning. That's right. Man U yesterday. Finally. I think Chelsea were winning by the time I left, so it might be a, a nice little quadruple of teams in the semis this year. I'd say that we could actually watch it right now, but there's no way that Dan play, pays for Sportsnet. <laughs> no, <laughs> no chance. So we can't watch it. Hold on, Sportsnet's still a channel. <laughs> I'll see you guys. Watford this morning too. See you, Craig. Bye, See you, mate. Thanks. See you, guys. And without with that, Craig Forrest is no, no longer with us. Um, so yeah, who else won today? So yeah, Arsenal won. Uh, Chelsea, yeah, they beat Leicester one 0 Yeah, so it could be Man City play Newcastle later on this afternoon. Right so now, it could actually. be Man City, Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea in the semis. That's decent. That's a decent FA Cup semi final, isn't it? Juicy FA Cup this year. Yeah, we need that. No shitty teams like Millwall. And they're saying that they <laughs> <laughs> they're saying that they might. By the time the finals played, have fans in the stadium. Not a full Wembley, but there could be 15,000, 20,000 people in there, which would be a big step forward. So how are they going to do that, Shams? I don't know. If it's 15,000 <laughs> or 30,000, like, yeah. what's the difference? It's an 80,000 seat yeah. stadium. But like, how are they going to pick the 15,000 people? Like, Is it a lottery? If, if you and your son are like a Man United fan and you win a ticket, and you're going to say to your eight-year-old son, listen, son, uh, I'm going to go by myself to the FA Cup final. Uh, you can't come with me. Yeah, explain that one. I understand the protocol and the process. They, they just want fans inside the stadium, and you have to sit five or six, six seats away from each other. But I'd rather them have zero than 15. I'd rather so them go 30,000 yeah. with a little bit more atmosphere. 
maybe 15 would just be VIPs, you know, FIFA executives, club officials. Correct. Stuff, right? <laughs> so it'd be the same sound yeah. and, and the atmosphere as we've seen right now. Yeah. Are you... Um, if they're not eating their prawn the, sandwiches. Yeah, exactly. Have you got into the, the fake crowd noise? I have a little bit. Have you? Yeah, a little bit. If it's done properly. It's getting better, actually. It's they're, getting better. They're piping a little bit louder, I've noticed. Yeah. But um, there's also some where there's like goal scoring chances it? and, and it, it cheers about five seconds after. It's like, yeah, he's like some glitch in the FIFA game, yeah. right? It's not bad. I have to tell you, I've been watching it and I, I just kind of went, it's better than I thought it would be. Yeah. It becomes an ambient noise that gives you that comfort and what you're used to. I don't like it still. Personally, it's on the, you know what it is? It's, they, can, they can track it on the buildup. When there's a buildup to a, a run or a goal, it's the goalie making a save. They're always about three or four seconds yeah, late. That's what I was saying. And you're yeah. like, holy like, but it does add to it. I thought, you know, when we were talking to Pesh, he wasn't into it, and I'm, I'm into it now. I still don't like it because it's still not authentic to me, and I can still, when I actually think about it, I realize that's not actually what's going on right now. That is contrived. Yeah. Um, but then you forget about it, and it becomes, you forget that there's no stands, no, no, no fans in the stable, stable right? So it's, uh, I don't know, I'm getting what's, what's more been, used to it. But. Yeah, in Germany it was really well done because they kind of panned their camera a little bit lower so you could just see the bottom of the seats and majority of, of the stadiums have the cardboard cutouts and stuff like that so it looked pretty busy. So if you're really focusing on the game and you've got the background noise, it's a little bit more authentic. But I agree, if in the Premier League stadiums, when you can kind of see the open plan of the stadium, you're kind of like, no. Let me ask you, a lot of these clubs are doing this with the cardboard cutouts. You can purchase one. Right? It's great. If you, could, if you could buy one cardboard cutout to put at a ground, your favorite team, who would that person be? Uh, so I'd get a cutout of one of those sex dolls. Male or female, <laughs> just to actually add to the stupidity of it all. Oh, well, cut out yeah, a cutout of a sex doll because I love the face they make. It's that oh, never changes. Oh, they're surprised. Surprised. Oh, they're surprised. Male or female are surprised. You know, I'm it's just like cool and like you know, honey, yeah, sultry lips. Exactly. So like, Woo. Exactly. Like a bad tackle. <laughs> Frozen bad tackle. I think I would get Ron Jeremy. Uh, that'd be a good one too. Again, right beside the, the porn. The, the I, I literally that, that old <laughs> school close. porn. <laughs> and you, he's been he's getting in trouble right now. He's right? in big I trouble. Saw a headline Jeez. about that. The hedgehog. Yeah. yeah, the hedgehog is in trouble. Oh my god. <laughs> Oof. I, well, see, I always felt sorry today. for him. I didn't know. You know, growing up in the in the eighties, yeah, nineties, you were like, oh, this guy's got the life. But no. you know, don't feel sorry there for him. There was a lot of darkness. If Probably that's... not a good guy. Probably not. No. Well. Hey, there's been some good cardboard cutouts. I think at one stadium there was Osama Bin Laden. <laughs> and then yesterday at Leeds, there was Chris Kamara. And he tweeted out, he's like, I'd just yes. like to know who paid £25 for my <laughs> cardboard cutout. Probably Chris Kamara. Because I'd like to thank <laughs> you for fantastic. it. That's great, actually. But you, Jeff, who do you have there? Well, you got a mic there? Have you got a mic there? You haven't got a mic there. I'd probably have to get a cardboard cutout of Dan Wong next to his cardboard cutout of the uh, inflate and uh, inflatable <laughs> sex doll. Next to the cardboard cutout of Ron Jeremy. <laughs> would it be Dan with a surprise? That would, that would be a free surprise, Dan. <laughs> I, go for it. Have, you need to have, anytime like, something startling happens on the pitch, you just pan over to Dan Wong 
and with his date next to him, <laughs> Jeremy next to that. That'd be some night out, wouldn't it? <laughs> That'd be all right. yeah. That's like our de- desert island dinner. <laughs> It'd be fun to have like Steven Gerrard cut out at a Man U game, right? Or a Roy yeah. Keane cut out at a at a Arsenal game Man or something, game, right? Yeah. That'd be hilarious. Now, are they doing that for charity, right? Yeah, I believe so. They were in Germany anyway, I'm assuming in England too. I don't know what they're doing with it in England, but I still feel that a lot of clubs have gone about this in the wrong way. In particular, one of my old clubs, Sunderland, in that in League One and below, the seasons have been cancelled altogether and season ticket um, prices have not been, or allocations have not been given back to the fans. And then at my other old club QPR who are playing in the championships they're charging fans season ticket fans to stream the games online where I, I just think that like if you want to keep the community which a lot of these clubs are surrounded by and that's what they thrive on the local clubs I know you've lost a lot of money you're still going to get your TV revenue you're still going to get whatever it is sponsorship money but think of the fans they're not. They're, they're a working class fan base yeah. as well, right? Exactly. So you know, the money's not flowing. They've been hurt by this more than for you a have. Game where they've actually paid for that game already, a home game, and now you're asking them to pay again to stream it. Yeah. Which I just think is oh, a wrong. little bit sketchy, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's too much for sure, for sure. Um, do you think France and 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 Holland are thinking to themselves, man? I'm looking at England right now. It seems to be working, generally speaking. Uh, Germany just wrapped up it it worked really well Uh, do you think they're thinking man maybe we should have given this a go rather than cancel our seasons yes 100% I I feel that France and Holland are a little bit similar to here in Canada where we've been super super strict with everything but we've actually proved that it works here and I'll never go against the government in saying that we've been too strict in regulating certain stuff but now we want to try and move forward and I I feel in France and I've spoken to my friend Benoit in France and even in Holland and Belgium where they they cut the season really really early that teams especially that could have got into Europe which is a big financial input to the club or teams that have got relegated from the top division and now asking questions and saying Germany's running fine, Spain's running fine, Italy, which was the epicenter of this whole virus in Europe, is running perfectly fine. So, who called the shots here? Yeah, I know. There's going to be a lot of uh, analysis over this whole process, beyond sport, obviously, in the months and years to come. What's, uh, Danny must have some updates for us. Yeah, what's going on uh, in in an MLS world? Can MT and MMLS. What do you got for us? Is it it July 8th kickoff? MLS. So our team is still, the first team is still training um, under strict supervision at the training ground. They actually had their first 11v11 game at BMO on Friday evening. So we were talking about that, Charms. Was it full on... Full on contact. contact, yes. So the moratorium has been lifted yep. with MLS. Yep. So they're allowed contact training. They're allowed contact, uh, obviously, in games, 11 v 11, as close to they possibly can in playing, but they cannot play against opponents from outside of their bubble Okay. presently. Um, they can organize... So, oh, wait a second. Sorry. 
who's in their bubble right now. It's the entire team in their bubble. So you have a, a, a group of around 40 to 45 in your bubble. Our group, T2, are not in that bubble. So even staff, uh, doctors, physios, trainers, admin, there is no crossover. So when the first team have left the training facility, is sanitized, is clean, then T2 will come in, start coming in, the staff will come in, uh, we'll go for exactly the same process, go onto the field. We're about two weeks behind the, the first team in the sense that we can only move to group training at the moment. So we're in uh, groups of 10 on either side of the field. Uh, so we can only do that at the moment. We have to be 10 and, feet apart, oh, which is pretty you know how our friend, hard. You know how our friend Charms always cusses about how long it takes guys to get... Did you watch the 11 v 11? And, no, we weren't allowed oh. in the stadium. But what about film? Did you see any of that? I haven't seen any film yet, no. Because I wonder how raggedy you, you would yeah, think I'd that like is. Yeah, I'd like to see it, actually. Fine. <laughs> the, the good news is that, um, that Mike Bradley yeah. is back in full. Oh, wow. He came through it. He's looking good, feeling fit. Uh, Has there been a discussion that maybe Mike started COVID for him? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> He's got the power. It's worked out perfectly for him. <laughs> well, we are, um, the boys must be, though, just raring to get back at it. Your group right now. I oh, mean, yeah. My God. I mean, it's, it's, it's not the same, it's obviously. Hard, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely hard because you, you're working with a group of like 17, 18, 19, and 20 year olds that are chomping at the bit. And they're so frustrated just to go and barge into each other and tackle each other. And you kind of like, this, that's the game. That is the game. So to try and pull the reins back on them and hey, to stay ten feet apart is is very. So they are, very like, tough. you know, they can't help themselves. They forget and they just oh, before yeah. you know it, they're. Uh... But you know what? Our staff have been obviously properly educated on on this matter because if there's one lapse in concentration or one person that, that lets the whole group down, it could affect the first team and then the club gets shut down. So well, like in the NWSL, right, Orlando, already. Yeah. They, they had to pull out the women's team. Too many uh, positive wow, uh, cases. And, uh, it kicked off yesterday, actually, right? That's what I was saying. Like, yeah. literally, I just saw them do the announcement yesterday about NWSL. Yeah. That's the first uh, Orlando's soccer already. league in, in North America to go. And where does, where does MLS and where does NBA, yeah. where are they going? <laughs> Epicenter of COVID. So our first team, I, I think, have done a, a really good job in hanging back in traveling to Florida. Um, they travel on Friday, which I think is the third. Of private, the private plane. They'll go down by charter, char flight for sure. I think on Larry's yeah. private jet. Yeah, spray that fucker down. Yeah, yeah, that'll be it'll be all cleaned and obviously sanitized. And the group will go down. They'll be staying at a resort with with obviously all the other teams. I think it's the ESPN resort. There's going to be two or three fields that they'll use. The games are going to be set up at eight o'clock. Sorry, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning. And then there's going to be two games possibly in the evening. Because obviously the heat down there in, right. in Florida. As you hate. Big stadiums, it's going to look really weird. No. It's going to look like a training match. But obviously there's no fans allowed inside the stadium as well. So. I, I know, but even usually you can see, you know, like Premier League, there's no fans, but there's still football stadiums, right? Yeah. There's something. These are going to be like sporting complexes, right? You've been down there? I just, I, I still have my doubts about this I really do because uh, as we all know that the cases in Florida are going up not by the hundreds no. they're going up by thousands yeah. every day exponential and, now yeah it yeah. went from last Wednesday to having 4,000 new cases to I think it was yesterday nine and a half thousand yeah. cases so 
you add that up over like four or five days, that's like 30,000, 40,000 new cases in the state of Florida. Well, if anyone knows me, they know I don't like to get political. But yeah. Ron DeSantis is a jerk off. <laughs> hey, you hear that, Ron? <laughs> so, and then you add that in with the NBA, obviously traveling down there. Uh, the Raptors traveled down last week. They're staying in uh, a place which is about an hour away from where they're meant to be meeting up with all the other teams yeah. to gather all the players. There's a group that come from Toronto that are meeting the rest of the players that were in America, like the Lowry's and all right. those guys that are homes are in America. So listen, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on where, but you know, I mean, I'm the only difference is, is that NBA, the contracts are amazing. Yeah. I'm not going to say ridiculous. They are what they deserve to be. MLS relatively new league, Contracts. There is reserve players who make, you know, imports who make a lot. Domestic players can do okay, but that makes a difference. So if you're Avery Bradley, you're Avery Bradley's uh, point guard for Lakers, right? He decided to sit out. He's got a son, six year old, who has asthma. He goes, I just don't want to put my kid in that zone, and I get it. Your players, dude. I would feel pressure if I was an MLS player to actually not to say, like, you don't have a lot of bargaining power compared to Avery Bradley, even though he's the 88th best or 100th best player in the, in the league, making 15 mil a year. Yeah. You've got a little, okay, well, you know what? I sit out this year. I'm still starting next year somewhere. How do you feel about that? Well, it's difficult to compare the sports because basketball, American football, baseball, the majority of the contracts are paid up front. Mm. So if you're on 20 million over four years, you've basically got that 10 to 15 million paid up front. And then you got some insulation. Got some insulation yeah. yeah. But where the, the soccer players, you're basically paid on a week to week, month to month basis. It's leche all over again yeah, for Dickio. So, <laughs> Groceries. And also <laughs> what is interesting is that the league pay the wages of the players. Right. The clubs do not pay the wages. Right. It's a league. Your your boss is the league. Your, your salary cap. Yeah. Your salary cap for each yeah. team. You're, you're allowed a certain amount of cap. There's obviously your DPs that are paid a certain amount of their wages by the individual clubs. But the majority of wages are paid by the league. And if the league are telling you to go down to a certain place to play in front of ESPN cameras because we're going to be in prime time on the major channels of yeah. America... I'm not saying they're being forced to do it, but I think it's... You must uh, think to yourself, am I going to be blackballed if I don't? Well, that would be a concern for some players. For sure. And then you factor in players from black or Asian uh, minorities where the virus is affecting those nationalities and players, uh, people, a lot more. And if I'm a, a black player going down there into a hub like Florida, I'd have to question wh- what am I going to be bringing back or what am I going to do? What I would say is that I feel that the players are going to be the most clean and tested out of everyone in, in North America. I really do. I think they're going to be protected amazingly. But what we don't know is that the workers working at these resorts, are they going to be going in and out of the resorts? Right. Uh, people at the stadiums 
I don't think they're going to be getting too close to the players, but they'll bring their cooks and chefs down, right? I'm assuming. I, we will for you sure, will, yeah, right? But there's just so much uncertainty around it. I just feel it's just such a rush to get this. Listen, I want football back on, MLS football back on, more than anyone in this in this whole continent or in this room. In this room. <laughs> but there has to be it makes money from it. That's right. There has well, to be. A there's better. four of us in this room. <laughs> if you're listening by audio, so out of this room, Danny Dickio wants football back more than anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not shot. Maybe uh, not. I'm gonna pay my bills too. Yeah. You just want Some, pies, dude. Happened because of fucking COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and every time, every time they use the term DP for MLS, and then we bring up the hedgehog, I'm always confused. I'm always confused. <laughs> There's the theme to today's podcast, boys and girls, and it's pornography. <laughs> old school, classic, old classic, old school, heavy bush, pizza slice. New York pizza, pizza slice, slice. <laughs> pornography. New York pizza slice. <laughs> you don't get that. Oh, for Christ's sakes! <laughs> I've never heard that before. Come and on, I never want to hear it again. Come on, New York pizza slice. This is how we have were brought up. What the hell? You have, of course, you have. <laughs> that's a, that's a burrito. If people are watching on YouTube, Jeff Cole, our voiceover, is uh, holding up my kid's uh, Mexican burrito. Towel. Towel. <laughs> Throw towel in there, yes. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Um, but we should say that the Bundesliga rounded out this past uh, weekend, and it seems to have gone unscathed. Right, it's worked. So, I'm just happy football's back in some regard anyway. What about uh, CPL? Uh, should hear this week, right? That's what yeah. we're hearing, that there'll be an announcement this week. Maybe even on July 1st. Ooh, Canada Day. Yeah, which would make sense. And um, what's, I, their, I was, what's their... Have you heard be, concept? I... I, I don't know for hub, sure. Hub again? Like we were talking hub. It'd be a hub. I'm hearing it's either going to be in PEI or in Victoria. Yeah, Victoria. Where I heard the hub's well, going to yeah. be. And the teams will fly out to Jeez. that venue. Six or seven week kind of tournament type thing format, which would be great, actually. <laughs> I think it'd be a lot of fun. Well, there's amazing golf out in PEI. Yeah. So you say take I can imagine those guys. Well, it's great living out there. It's going to be lobster season. My family's East Coast. It's full lobster season out there. If those guys hub it out there, that's a fantastic place to be in a bubble. But I I also heard that PEI have said if people are coming down to our beautiful little spot in Canada, that they have to quarantine for 14 days prior to playing or being involved in any kind of... Look, that's the rule right now. I My family has a cottage or a house out there. My brother and I go out every summer. We can't go out without quarantining, which is stopping us from going out because the kids aren't... We're not sure we can hold the kids at the cottage for 14 days straight. Yeah. So And they're taking license plates oh, wow. as you go over the border. So there's only like two real big places to go in after you get past Quebec, and they're taking license plates, RCMP, and they're really, really buttoned Being down. Diligent on it. with it, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's going to be Victoria. Victoria is a nice little spot. They've got a nice stadium there. It's a turf field as well, so it's not going to get too bashed up. Right. Well, also they're doing they're killing it in BC. Other than the strip joint. Right? Yeah, of all the provinces and how you deal with them. I and mean, they could have been hammered like, like we were. Yeah. They've done a really good job. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so well, CPL is going to do kind of – I still need – MLS 
mm. is doing what kind of tournament until the season so starts. So it's, it's going it to be like a World Cup. Yeah, it's going to be like a World Cup tournament where they'll play three games in a group stage. Which will count towards the league, right? Which will count towards the league. Then if you finish in the top two, yeah, you will go through to a quarterfinal, semifinal, and final. The purpose of winning a tournament is that you get a berth into the Champions League. The only games that count towards the league are the first three games, which is the group stage. So you could possibly play another three games or two games and they don't count towards your league. It's almost like a cup. It's a cup. This is yeah. a World Cup. But what they're hoping is after the three to five games that these teams play, that restrictions and regulations will be lifted and that teams can go home to their stadiums to play at home against obviously opponents with no fans in the stadium. Although some some cities are already saying we're we're quite good. We can have fans in the stadium. Right. In our state or our county, wherever it is. But Well it's funny, I, I was thinking we did that show with uh Frank Yallop about Beckham in LA. And Beckham's supposed to be Miami F C first year. Have you heard where Frank Yallop is now the head coach? Uh, no. I don't know if it's been confirmed yet. Oh, oh Jesus. Really? But let's just say it's a, a, a place in Nevada. Oh, <laughs> oh really? Oh, I remember that rumor floating around for a bit. That'll be a cracker. Maybe we should do a show from there. Jeez, we're coming down. They'll bring us on. But if you're, if you're David Beckham, and I don't know how involved he is, as far, whether he's an investor, a owner. You know, I know he's an owner. But what that means, I'm not sure. But all of a sudden, you're sitting there going... My first year in the MLS. Oh yeah, all these new clubs, new, new, new yeah, leagues. like Na- um, what's Nashville, was Cincinnati f- as well, yeah, very new, you know, Nashville's first year. Yeah. Be- Austin are coming in next year, so they're like, thank God we're yeah. coming this year. Yeah, like the commitment and just the money being siphoned out, yeah. going towards all these other things, as you say, MLS is always such a, you know, the gate is everything. Yep. And now they're in this place where. It's it's not they don't have the well maybe they're maybe they'll start building a broadcast play here with coming back and other other sports not they should do hundred percent they should be all over that and they should I mean all the leagues I mean hockey is one that stands out discusses with someone this is their chance to do something a little bit different they won't because they're hockey and they're stuck in their ways but this is a way to humanize their players make it a reality TV show me and Dean Blender were talking about this yeah on his podcast yep. and how this is a great chance to really almost reinvent the NHL which is seen out of all the major sports in North America as being the most draconian in many many ways they're not going to change well here's your chance guys you know you've you got to have this brand new format which may or may not work but at least get some exposure for these personalities because you're the one league that's dragging your heels well especially politically you know BLM's been all over the place and we're all backers of it but you know these guys who uh, I mean it, they've been talking about the NBA with Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard, but saying, no, we don't want to play. There's too much social unrest. And Danny Green came out and said, this is our opportunity to build and get into people's homes and hearts about, because we all know how sports is a meritocracy, at least on a player level. Maybe here it's it's an opportunity on an ownership, on, you know, Craig talking about, hey, the, the, Access to general managing and coaching for people of color has always been difficult. Now we're in a place where, hey, you guys can actually change the model if you use it properly. What I would say is, well, I think we're going to see some really cool, innovative 
producing yeah. for the sports over the next month or so. I know that MLS are coming out with some really cool stuff, uh, whether it be in the locker rooms, whether it be uh, with the players himself. And you're right as well. Why not? I'm not saying it can be similar to WWF, but why not build up hockey a little bit? To, you've got these two guys, whether it be Ovechkin and someone else yeah. from the Pittsburgh Penguins that really don't like each other and have an interview with them yeah, and build it up even, beforehand. Yeah, just why say, not? Yeah, we're going to go out well, here. Let me ask you as a former you know, professional footballer, if you were told there's going to be cameras in every room at halftime before the match, we're going to tape everything and we're going to air it. Would you like it? Would you understand it? Would you support it now as, as a former player? I wouldn't particularly like it. I really, uh, I told you about the episode when I came over to here and having the media and press in the room after a game. You didn't like anything, though. No, I, mean, <laughs> I think that's. I think your locker room, your changing room, is a it, sacred place. Sacred why, yeah. why can't Why can't we change that? I still think you can use certain aspects of it, but maybe in and out of the locker room, not so much in the central hub. But of this it. isn't war is sport right you can have that right you can find that after the game go to your mate's house or have a place but it's entertainment number one sport right yeah, that's what it sure. is so why can't you have just because it hasn't been that way forever and it is that you know that, that place where you are untouchable because it's your room why can't you reinvent that and say now it's going to be there for the fans too I just feel that a lot of players and a lot of coaches cannot be themselves if they have cameras on them and there's certain stuff that's said in the locker room and the changing rooms that is only meant to stay in the, in the changing room and the locker rooms. I've said it before, I've played with coaches that if they need to say their piece, they would say it in the locker room and it's done, that's it. If I've had beef with, with Dan because of his performance, it's done. We'll speak about it on, on Monday, but there's no way outside of that locker room I'm going to go to the press and start calling Dan a piece of shit because he didn't perform today. That's between me and him in the locker room, and that's why I call it a sacred place. But I'm talking about more innovative stuff around either the field, around the arena. I know that speaking, they're speaking about virtual reality uh, spots in and around the basketball court. So say if Dan's on the west, I'm on the east, you're behind that net. And and we have Jeff on on the other side. You would pay extra money because you're in courtside seats. Then virtual reality, yeah. different than just being on the camera. That's where I feel players can maybe buy into it a little bit more and play, and, the camera and play to bit. the camera to the yeah. virtual reality. But that's the league and the commissioner to sort all that stuff out. I just feel that this is the chance to be innovative. Yeah, to yeah. try, to well, try something. Pick your own new. camera angles. I've always, I mean, it's been around for a while in, in UK, right? In Sky Sports, yeah. the red button you can pick and choose different different perspectives. Just NASCAR did it yeah. like uh, good old racist NASCAR, idea, but right? they did it. They did it well with the old. Hey, do you want to be in this guy's car? Yeah, you yeah. know, choose your angle, all that kind of stuff. I thought it was brilliant. The other thing is what I've noticed is players know where the cameras are. Yeah, for sure. And you know, uh, I was watching. Watching, I was saying the highlights of uh, Crystal Palace, Liverpool, and the guys knew exactly where the camera was. <laughs> and even last night, I was watching UFC on t- uh, on a TSN. Sorry, throwing out another broadcaster. I apologize. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, and after after the guy choked a guy out, he went right to the camera, started talking. It, that's another level of yeah. it's that media kind of savvy now that all athletes have and. Except hockey players. Well, this is the problem with hockey, and I don't blame hockey, but when you have the difference between 
you know, when you have a great seat at a at a footy game, at an NFL game, a CFL game, even it doesn't matter what sport, there's nothing in between you. Yeah. That glass, my buddy called me up. He goes, Wonger, I've got great tickets to the Leafs. Now, it was a Thursday night, and it was against Columbus. We are literally right up against the glass, in the corner, could see everything. But we're also, you can't see what's in front of you because of the boards. The glass does represent some issues with uh, because of the curve of it. Yeah. You, you're not seeing. It's like wearing googly eye glasses. Watching a foot like basketball, football, and soccer, if you're in the front row, you're almost there. Yeah, you are. You feel the sweat. You feel the, and it's totally different with hockey. And I know you're a huge hockey fan, Sharms. They have to be the ones who, if anyone does something to get the fans even closer, I think it's hockey with the masks. It's there's two layers. There's more of, challenges for sure. Yeah, for hockey. but I'm just saying in general, not just during the games but you have these personalities you hear about in the room you know right. who, and you never get a chance to see that because they're so shielded by their clubs and by their coaches you know you say this to the camera you know it's so rare to find that occasionally late night hockey night in Canada when Scott Oak's doing his thing you might see it a little tough. bit but it's tough right hockey's I, I think hockey's the worst you can get someone losing their shit at every other sport hockey they they're they're like soldiers yeah. walking out, you know, Robots, and man, you like don't get yeah. It's like it's fully automatons. It's like, and I, I never understood that because they're trained that way. Yeah. Plus, to be honest, we're Canadian, <laughs> and Canadians aren't always. You know, I remember how you're supposed to represent something behavior, and now I'm like, you know, what made NFL exciting? What made soccer exciting? Footy exciting? What made all these things exciting was personalities. Yeah. And hockey is the one of the ones, whether it's still because of the masks and... They need some heels, right? Oh. They do. There aren't Where's many... Sean Avery? Right. Yeah. He wasn't good enough, and, and he was such, such a heel. Yeah. He, he was blackballed out of the game. That's right. And he was an idiot. He went too far, yeah. sure. But who else? I mean, Ovi's amazing. He's great. That's one guy, right? Yeah. Sydney, I love Sid. What a player. What a Incredible. player. But my God, what an awful interview. Like, what is the uh. point? What is the point? Oh. Connor McDavid, I know he's young, but I'd rather watch paint dry oh. than hear him speak. When did was the last time you heard a good? Your I have not like where you went. Oh, that that probably Jeremy Roenick, and when he retired ten years ago, for Christ, and he's been blackballed. And now. he's been blackballed yeah. now. Yeah, it's just do you I, not I feel that? Do you not feel that these guys have been trained to be that way? Yeah, no, they have. Like, no, they 100%. have. They so like they have. media trained as well. Yep. And also, if you, I don't know. It's it starts with. I don't know if it. Uh, you tell me. Did you guys have QPR? Did you? They bring in a media trainer for you guys? No. Did they bring in a? You're at the because uh, I remember CIS football, not nearly as big, obviously, but they did have. This is a comportment. You know how you should behave. Mm. Document. It was kind of like an HR seminar. Yeah. Like did we, they have that? We we do that for our academy players now, and we've started media training with them, and just being comfortable in front of a camera and trying to answer in the right way, but still showing their character and personality. But we never had any of that growing up as, as young kids. And I, I still feel that there's certain stuff we're not teaching our younger professionals or players with potential, whether it be finance advice, right. media advice, social media advice, stuff that we're, we're all trying to implement at Toronto FC. And I know a lot of other clubs are doing that now, but... I just feel that they're very rigid in, in the hockey. Whenever I watch one of 
one of the hockey guys yeah. talk. It's like programmed. Yeah. But it's the same. Good it's team. the same interview, no matter what the dude is, what team he's on. You know, and well, I, I mean, footballers aren't much better in England, right? For years, it's been the same way yeah. because. But they knew that if they said one thing wrong, they'd be hammered across. But the it's country the coaches media, that are. Right? It's the managers who yeah. look like they're throwing it. at They don't care anymore. But now you're seeing. I've noticed in England a lot more ex-players are getting in the media afterwards, yeah. and they're interviewing the players, and then you get the the, the barriers come down because right. we're in the same group as opposed to a journalist interviewing a player. Right? It makes a big difference, I think. Yeah. Right. You're right with, with the Carragher's, the Neville's. Yeah. Uh, Ian Wright, Gary Jermaine Genius, you know these guys. Mike Richards is great at it. I love yeah. it when I hear him interview guys now because he's yeah. just he's one of the boys still, right? Yeah. yeah, and and he brings he disarms the athlete because they feel safe. They know he's not here to screw you over. What's the worst you have ever interviewed? What was the worst? Did you ever lose it? Did you ever just go, or was it just a walk away? Did you ever take your mic off? 2007, my first interview with Dane. <laughs> <laughs> no, you always have to be respectful of, of um, the interviewer because he's trying to do his job. It's, you it's, called me fat once. Yeah, probably. But um, <laughs> You were. Imagine all the, the chicken wings I've been eating. That's what you said. Remember it well. <laughs> what a mean <laughs> motherfucker. Just, like, if, if, Upside down head. Calling you fat. Yeah. <laughs> You can tell if an interviewer is there to get something out of you or if he's there just to do his job and pass on the stats or whatever he needed to get for his producer or paper. If he's or digging around, you can tell. So if he's right? digging around, you can tell. And if he starts to get a little bit snarky, then that's when you'd be snarky back. It's just a normal conversation that athletes will have with you. That's why I feel the basketball guys are very protective. But then if they're pushed, they'll fucking call you out straight yeah. away. They will call you, and they won't be afraid. I just feel footballers are very similar to the hockey players where they've been either told at the beginning of the season, this is our protocol when we're doing interviews. This is what's not to be said. If something is said, be aware that you're going to get fined two weeks' wages or be out of the team and looking for another club. What was your thoughts, just quickly before we go here, like when you first moved to Toronto, what was your thoughts about the media in general here when you – chat to them and be honest like compared to back home well first of all I told you it was the it was very very surprising for me to see them in the locker room afterwards and having that access and it wasn't just guys in there where there was women in there and like there was guys walking around naked especially Jimmy Brennan would always walk around loves it yeah, especially when the women reporters are there yeah, yeah. and um, that was surprising for me and then obviously the the dialogue of the conversation was not very sophisticated football generate <laughs> there was one guy what was the word we were trying to spell last week tumultuous tumultuous Danny went home and looked it up Google Siri please spell out slowly tumultuous you told me I wasn't saying it properly as well but no it wasn't not to be disrespectful, I don't think there was a lot of football journalists. There were in, very few, yeah, a lot of that, just general and, reporters yeah. there. I remember being in that press box and yeah. guys asking me questions who had been doing the job for years covering other sports. Well, you be what, honest. How outside? many guys? You were one of the. You're one of the uh, trailblazers. I, I'm sitting with a trailblazer. <laughs> two, two trailblazers, Pioneer. two trailblazers. Pioneer. But <laughs> you came over. You said, "I want to concentrate on this sport." Right? Like you, you made a decision in your broadcast career to say, "Hey." How many other people knew footy like you did? At the time, like when I, when I yes. first started doing soccer specifically, essentially in Canada, as myself, there was uh, Jerry and Craig. Yep. Um, actually, I was before Craig. Fuck him. 
Yeah. <laughs> it was before Craig. It was Jerry yeah. and I. Yeah. Like doing it on a regular basis. There was, um, oh my God, I'm going to upset people here because people arrived. I'm trying to think when they arrived. There were, there were a few, yeah, oh, a Graham Leggett was at that point. Yeah. From a TV standpoint, it was Jerry and me pretty much. Right. There are a few writers uh, and blogging was beginning to start up as well. And give those guys a lot of credit as well. But there weren't many of them. It's probably a handful of guys who actually covered it on a, on a full-time basis. Not even a handful. And they're, out, of that, out of that handful, there's guys who are nonsense too, is my point. It's like, yes, there's a handful who are covering it. But they're also saying things that you'd like go, this is ridiculous. Neil Davidson, Peter Mallett, they were there from day one. Good example. Um, so I think it was in our second game. We're in the media scrum afterwards, and I remember this guy. He's a black guy, really nice guy, um, but he was a baseball or basketball guy. And I forgot which. Was it Morgan Campbell? Because Morgan was great, and he was he was just thrown into it by the Toronto Star. Yeah, he had no idea about football. About it, though. I don't know if it was him. I'm not sure, but um, he basically asked me if there was questions going on around the game, and then he basically just threw this out to me. He said, "Do you think the offside rule should be scrapped?" <laughs> so I kind of paused for a minute and I looked around and I said, is this a serious question? He said, do you think there's a, a different way where we can uh, scrap the offside rule to make it more exciting, more goal scoring opportunities? I just went, next question. <laughs> Were you, you, you're a cabbie, right? Yeah, he he hit TFC a lot, right? In those early well, I can't days, remember Cabby. You don't remember him? No. Okay, because that was, that was great. Because Cabby would you know do oh, the thing, yeah, and did a few TFC stories. Yeah. And guys just had no idea, especially the guys coming over had no idea who he was. It was hilarious. Right. It was really well done. Because that's the kind of thing he'd ask, but taking the piss. Yeah, you know, because he'd come to me, he'd say Shams or whoever, give me some questions for the TFC guys. And he'd just <laughs> <laughs> mangle them, but they'd be brilliant. <laughs> and, then, and then obviously the first game, the the question. After I scored the first goal and got red carded, we spoke about this, the Gordie Howe question. Right. They threw that one at me. Like, as an English guy, right. I, I'm never going to know who Gordie, Gordie Howe, Howe is. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that kind of left me in limbo a little bit, and I felt a little bit bad, but I had no idea who Gordie Howe was until I looked it up afterwards, and he's like a... So they didn't really media train you. You, weren't, you didn't go through the history well, of well, hockey. Well, fairness, <laughs> I found a lot of um, <laughs> Canadian... Canadians in general, but like a lot of reporters think that hockey's a lot bigger than it is, right? So they assume that, well, you'd know who Gordie Howe is, even though you come from another part of the world, whereas, sorry, and I love hockey, as you mentioned, but it's a speck in the global sporting stratosphere. Oh, right? absolutely. It's a speck. Yeah. People don't know who Wayne Gretzky is. Sorry, no they don't know who Gretzky Wayne Gretzky is. No, no disrespect. I know I who no he is, just because my sister was vacationing in Canada when he was traded in 88, and she came back, and some guy called Wayne Gretzky, that's why I know who he was. That's the only reason. I always, I always was, I was a big stat guy as a kid and would look, especially hockey, but I'd always look at the attendance and knowing they have 40, you know, 82 games, I think, so 41 at home. And yeah, they're selling out, but I'm also sitting there going, every, you know, every NFL game is at a hundred thousand person stadium. Every EPL game is, you know, between a 30 and a 60,000, unless you're at Wembley. And then I'm like, Soccer's going on everywhere. It's cheap. That was my biggest thing was the sports I was playing, hockey became too expensive. Football was school played. I mean, school paid. Um, soccer and basketball, two cheapest sports you could ever ask for. You need a ball and a bunch of idiots to kick it against. 
bit like a podcast. <laughs> wow, we've got that covered. <laughs> On that note, this is going real long. Have fun getting yeah, <laughs> this thing tra- transferred over, pal. <laughs> Especially with the video. Remember that time we had Craig Forrest in the podcast? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> it seems like I remember. Sweet guy. Sweet, sweet guy. <laughs> we've gone through porn, social <laughs> issues, riots, uh, everything. Yeah. Um, so we should probably sign off now, right? Sure. All right. Um, well, that's been fun, boys. It's good to see you boys again. Great seeing you. Sorry we missed you last week, by the way. Um, I'm sure you missed us. We had thousands of emails. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day again. Belated, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you a joke about that in a minute, but when we go up there. Anyway, um, yeah, thanks to, to Amsterdam Brewery. I'm enjoying the um, English special bitter, which I didn't know existed until about two hours ago when Jeff brought it over. My God, it's fantastic. I like a bitter. It's my kind of beer, and you really can't find them in the LCBO, but this Amsterdam ESB is friggin' delicious. Nod, nod. Wait, Amsterdam wait. ESB. That is because... <laughs> the drink of summer. That's because you are a bitter Englishman as I well. Bit, I <laughs> Speaking of bitter Englishman, Dean Blundell. DeanBlundell.com. Dean's pretty bitter sometimes. Also born in England, but uh, thanks That's to DeanBlundell.com right. for all their support, of course. Uh, all right, Deech, Wonga, JC... Craig, it's been fun. We'll be back this time next week. Cheers for listening. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.